Now listening to Lost Cast, episode 168. All right, here we go, podcast. All this right. is Lost Cast, and I am Matt Hackett. And I'm Jeff Blair. We are going to talk about lots of different things. This is going to be a uh, topic jumper <laughs> episode. A hodgepodge cast. Yeah, exactly. First off, a wizard lizard soul thief is now live on Steam Early Access. Woo! Let's go get you some lizards. Go get you some. First week, it's 10% off. Yep. I got a dog barking. We're also going to be talking about... Uh, are you going to talk about WebGL or Humble versus Itch? Uh, I might talk about any and all of those things. Uh, we also updated AWL 1. Yes. Uh, you, you seem jazzed about some new frameworks yet again, you jerk. <laughs> Tarp, Jade, Static Sites. Something, something. Last it was Jekyll. We've talked about that before in the podcast. And Blacksmith. You've oh talked about God. that before as well. First of all, it's Metalsmith. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I must have been thinking about uh, Daredevil. And Jekyll is so old at this point. It's old yeah, news. it feels a little dated, honestly. Plus, like, you and I just aren't Ruby dudes. No, we're not Ruby dudes. Ruby dudes exist, and they're fine. Yeah. I just, Ruby, for whatever reason, has never just, like, been a thing that we do. Yeah, I mean, it's a very, you know, web-centric thing, right? Ruby yeah. Ruby on Rails, but I don't know. For whatever reason, we just never kind of, like, crossed our path in the right way. Or we actually yeah. had to use it. I know there's people out there because you see forums and stuff where they think that it's actually called Ruby on Rails. Like that's the language, right? Right. And it's weird because if you know, that's the equivalent of it being like, "What's PHP?" I thought it was called PHP on Symphony or something. You know, <laughs> right. PHP on Smarty. <laughs> I've used a surprising amount of PHP frameworks. A surprising, yes, I've written a lot of PHP in my day. Yeah, that's what um, we were doing at Raptor. Yeah, we're writing a lot of PHP. We wrote a whole web framework from the ground up. We did. Called Phoenix in PHP. And your buddy, uh, <laughs> JD, had to rewrite <laughs> a lot of the front end because of, of Matt. <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt decided to use YUI for some ridiculous reason. Oh, sort of stupid jerk. <laughs> um, I think I like trying new things. I think that's what it is. I think I'm never satisfied. I was thinking about this recently. Uh, this is something else we might talk about later is um, Abathur. Mm. And uh, here's the storm. <laughs> Earlier you were giddy. You were like, yeah, Abathur. I think Abathur's great. <laughs> Let's talk about some Abathur. It's like, I don't know, if you, especially if you don't like, I used to look down on MOBAs, you know? Really? Because I think it's easy to, because it's like, it's like a, I don't know, they're, they're overplayed. Like everybody hears about League of Legends. It's that kind of popularity spike where you hear about it and you're like, yeah, yeah. I want something new and obscure, you know? And then also there's like, everybody has their own offering. Even Epic is introducing Paragon. And then also, like, it's, I don't know. I didn't used to feel that strongly about MOBAs, but, like, I wanted to see what all the fuss was about, and um, I've gotten really into it, and I am fascinated by them now. And Avatar is, like, the culmination of that. So I'd like to talk about that later. Um, also, you, oh, no, me. <laughs> I have some. <laughs> I don't know if it's even art tips, or I don't even know what to call it anymore. It's more like creative observations. There Let's call it Matt's Pretentious Minute. <laughs> <laughs> I like that a lot. Yeah, I'll just like I'll just read some poetry for a few minutes, and then we can all just sigh and roll our eyes. <laughs> Sounds like a good time for all. Yeah, I don't even know where to start. We're kind of all over the map here. I think maybe we're a little bit loopy. Yeah, we probably are. So we launched a Wizards Lizard Soul Thief this morning at nine a.m. and uh, it's looking good. So I, I want to say thanks for everybody for your support. Uh, we appreciate all the alpha testers, all of the feedback we've gotten. Uh, people that have written nice reviews for us on Steam, thank you so much. 
Um, and people that, you know, if you retweet us or just listen to the podcast or whatever, whatever way you choose to support us, uh, we appreciate it. Let's be honest. There are tiers of supports. <laughs> <laughs> the bare minimum is you show up, right? <laughs> like you're listening. That's cool. But like, we really do appreciate the, uh, the steam reviews, honestly, the positive steam reviews. Those are the kind of things where like one positive steam review now could have like positive impact for months because we're gonna be working on this for a while before it's actually done done right right so those those are like the best thing you can possibly do right now and we've seen some of our uh what do we call our friends now or is it our secret circle our secret friends oh man we like <laughs> forgot what we called our secret friends <laughs> there's definitely a tiger hat somewhere <laughs> but somewhere. uh our, our secret friends uh have been writing some some reviews for us and we really appreciate it it's super cool yes so uh i'm sure that we're not going to bore you with all of the like launch jitters and the kind of like emotional ups and downs. Yeah, we had the Jeffers last week. <laughs> the Jeffers. You'll be hearing more about that over the coming months, but we're not going to just obsess over it. We're going to be talking about other game dev stuff and all that. Yeah, I think it's actually good for us to get away from the launch stuff uh, for get an away. hour and podcast and talk about other things because life exists outside of our own games. Unfortunately. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which wish you could just live in our little universes. I sometimes do, but you know, it's that's just not how reality works sometimes. No. Unless no. we were like independently wealthy, then maybe. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah. So uh, where do you want to start today? Should I talk about my new frameworks? Yeah, go for it, you jerk. <laughs> what do you want me to learn now? <laughs> <laughs> Something new. <laughs> so, so there was Jekyll, which am I? Yes. Yes. The, the website's currently running Jekyll. Well, the, like, our... <laughs> which which one, Which right? one, yeah. So, <laughs> lostikagames.com is running on Jekyll. And, honestly, I'm not a big fan of Jekyll anymore. I mean, I think it's fine. You Your affair is over. My affair is over. You found a new, younger, hotter framework. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. Here's the things I don't like about Jekyll. One, it's Ruby, which isn't a bad thing necessarily, but, like, personally, like we just talked about, like, we're not Ruby people. And uh, yeah, I don't. It's kind of like Python for me. Like I, I think Python's fine. I just don't happen to use Python, so I don't know the ecosystem. I don't understand the language as well as I do with JavaScript. So yeah, something that is Node based uh, is way better for us because we know JavaScript inside out. We use Node on a daily basis, and uh, some kind of Node framework just fits better into our our system. Yeah, I actually like Python, but it's another one of those things that never really... It's, I've never had a job doing Python, you know? Yeah. So I've never been super motivated to work with it, but I remember working with it when we launched Onslaught Arena, and I was actually able to launch like a real web application, and it was fine, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, I've but used like, Python way more than I've used Ruby, so... Yeah, Ruby's just never been like, hello, it's Ruby, it's time to use me now. <laughs> it's like just never been a thing, you know? Yeah, I wonder why. I guess it's just because of the experiences that we've had, you know, like the places that we've worked. Um, just never. Yeah, like Ruby Yahoo shops. could have been a Ruby shop. Raptor could have been a Ruby shop, and we probably just would have been like, all right, well, let's let's learn this now. Man, Yahoo was like a huge PHP shop. Like that was. Oh it. God, they love PHP there. They loved it. Loved the it only there. company I've heard of that loves PHP more than Yahoo is Facebook, and the oh, only yeah. reason I say more is because they had their own like. Uh, PHP called compiler the hip or something, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they had their own PHP compiler, and they also had uh, this thing called Big Pipe, which kind of only makes sense with PHP because it doesn't have uh, the, some of the features that Node has in other frameworks. Um, uh, maybe. I mean, I th- yeah. the Big Pipe is more of a conceptual thing. It is, but like, it's not really necessary if you're using Node, right? Why do you say that? 
because node can like it can continuously stream hey let me, let me put my tiger hat on here yes <laughs> it's I, been a while <laughs> my web dev chops are rusty yes i don't know there's certain things php can't do that other languages can that's where i'm coming from sure that's true I, I think you're babbling though i'm always babbling welcome to lost cast <laughs> anyways um so yeah, Jekyll's fine, but I've been like trying to find the static site generator in Node that I really love, and uh, I've kind of like flopped around like a dead fish on the beach <laughs> from framework to framework. Wouldn't a dead fish not flop? A, di- a dying <laughs> fish, zombie, <laughs> zombie fish, <laughs> zombie fish. <laughs> what about Metalsmith? I thought that was I like it was like Jekyll, but it was in Node. So here's the thing with Metalsmith. Metalsmith is extremely pluggable and extremely flexible um, and therefore not as opinionated. And mm-hmm. like all the things that you want to do are plugins. And so, you know, like just to get like your basic blog level of support, you need about like 10 different Metalsmith packages. Wow. Like you need the Metalsmith core and then you need the Metalsmith permalinks and then you need Metalsmith uh, like some kind of CSS processor and then you need Metalsmith templatizer and then you need Metalsmith this, that, and the other thing. Is it too granular, basically? It can be. I mean, there's a part of me that really likes that and I think that one of the things that's great about Metalsmith is it's really not like a static site generator. They kind of bill it as such, but if you kind of dig into it, what they they, they kind of bill it that way because... That's something that's easy to understand. But it's really like a file transformer. And so basically you could write a plugin to, like all Metalsmith does is like look at a set of files and transform them into something else. Right. And that is, you know, basically how a static site generator works. You know, you have like, here's my markdown and I'm going to turn all these markdown files into HTML. Yeah. And then I'm going to upload that HTML somewhere and then bam, static site. Um, So anyways, Metalsmith is, is pretty... You know, bare metal, Smith. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, no and, it, and it's fine. But um, I just it took a lot of work to get it up and running. You know, you have like this npm package.json, and you have like all these dependencies, and like sometimes there will be conflicts and blah blah blah, and like that. You know, that kind of stuff's never going to go away. But uh, one of the things I did like about Jekyll was that it was kind of this, you know, sort of opinionated thing, right? It's like, here's where you put your layouts. You're going to write them in Liquid, uh, which is one another reason I don't really love uh, Jekylls because I don't, <laughs> I don't really like Liquid templates all that much. Okay, I, I feel like that kind of a framework is a trap, honestly, where it's like, no, no problem. You just have to learn this. You come on in, right? right. You come in and it's like, oh, you know Liquid, right? It's a trap. You know, I don't know what is liquid. What is what are we talking about? I thought I was learning, you know, framework A, but now I have to learn framework B as well. Right. It's a prerequisite and it's uh, it's trappy. Yeah, but like Metalsmith isn't any better, honestly, because if you want to have a site that has templates and CSS preprocessing, which I can't imagine why you wouldn't these days. Yeah. You're gonna have to learn SAS or Less or Jade or Handlebars or some <laughs> or maybe all of the above. Or maybe all of the above. That's what I thought was so stupid about Smarty back when I had to use that for my job, my job. It was like PHP is a templating language. It is already, yeah. right? And then you you tack Smarty in there as well, and you're like, why not? Like, why? <laughs> why? Why would you do that? 
so for php that works right and when we wrote our phoenix framework in php we just used php files just, as yeah it's php here you go like it's php do what you want it's scripting language you want a for loop guess what well and it was like php has that it was built to mix html and dynamic php content right like that's yeah. the whole point whereas you know javascript doesn't really work like that so you kind of need some kind of templating engine if you're going to yeah. create html via javascript yeah i remember back in my yahoo days uh me and isaac of of npm uh we were working on basically the, the concept was uh php but in javascript so instead of like you know you do the um the less than question mark php mm-hmm. you put that in your in your php file it was you know that same thing but less than question mark javascript hmm. and then you put your javascript in there because it was like you know we already know php we like php just fine it's just a, we like the syntax and the craziness <laughs> of javascript better <laughs> so we started working on that but then like that was around the time that no was like hey no then we're like oh that's way cooler than what we're working on right <laughs> anyway uh yeah so i've sort of um well i I guess i found this templating engine called jade that i really like i've heard of that and i've been using it i was using it with metalsmith for quite a while and i like less so like for css preprocessors i prefer less and so and for templating i prefer jade and then uh, i came across this other framework recently called harp and harp is sort of it's a node js static site generator um but it kind of comes bundled with less and jade and a couple other things actually it also does uh sass if you're if you're into that sounds sassy yes but it's uh it's really easy it's kind of like as easy as jekyll in terms of you know here's you know you just run jekyll serve and jekyll build or whatever and like it does all the things for you and you don't have to worry about okay i have to like pull in the jade templating plugin and then i have to have this build file that says hey metalsmith use the jade plugin yeah like it kind of just works like if you put a less file in your source directory and uh it will just transform it and if you put a jade file in your source directory it'll just transform it like it knows how to do these things out of the box nice Um, because it's one of these frameworks that's like about i guess what they say convention over configuration which you know I think is uh, in this particular case, it's something that I that I really like because part of me loves tinkering with the insides of things, uh, but then another part of me is like, I just want to make a damn website. <laughs> but <laughs> I want equal parts, right? I, but I also want to make a website that is not a complete cluster to work on, right? Yeah. So actually, when I was redesigning the Wizards Lizard website for Wizards Lizard Two, I kind of went through a couple iterations. The first iteration I did, uh, it was built in Metalsmith. And I just, I found it to be so, like, even though I had it already set up, it was still kind of a pain to work with. Why? Uh, just because, like, I had some dependency issues, like some things changed and I had to update and then, like, this thing didn't work with that version of something. Hmm. And, um, and then there were just these edge cases that I never really completely solved. Like, I wanted it to act a certain way and it didn't. And it's like some of the plugins were like written by other people. You know, it's like there's like this core metal metalsmith dev group and they have like a core set of plugins. But then some of the stuff I, I wanted to use, I think like Less and Jade were actually plugins written by some other third party and like, you know, uh, didn't really work the way I wanted it to. And um, also I think that there weren't, at least when I was 
starting to get into the metalsmith stuff there weren't it wasn't like a good like develop package like hey serve these files and watch for changes and reload the thing Mm, yeah that's pretty important yeah um so anyways like that wasn't great so i was like you know what something that matt has said a while ago is like why don't we just use like (laughs) raw html and css (laughs) what a wise man what a wise man you should listen to him more often so i did and i went through and I, i made a version of the site that was completely just you know html and css this is a first in Lost Cast history. <laughs> Jeff listening to Matt. However, <laughs> that lasted for all of about three days. Yeah, because I imagine you were probably like, okay, here, here's my line of thinking. You were probably like, this is good. This is raw. This is simple. It just works. Man, I hate CSS. Yep, that's pretty much That was it. the first one, wasn't it? It was. And you were like, okay, I, I need less in my life. I just need that. <laughs> I can't not have less. Or can't not have, right? Like, that's where you were. You, the first thing was less. The first thing was less, and the second thing was like, I really just want to be able to share snippets of HTML. Like, I, I really, mm. I, just, I just want to have like one footer, <laughs> right? I, I just want one footer. Yeah. And not I have to you. copy and paste it. <laughs> across six different pages or whatever you know yeah i get you there like uh it it hurts me to my core <laughs> when i have to copy and paste stuff that should just be reusable yeah that's that's the programmer in you it is it's like copy pasting the same code like when you do it you'll do it sometimes but you're like uh, like you're grumpy about grumble, it right? grumble yeah yeah and later, later you're like okay i for me the cutoff is the third time i will copy paste code once <laughs> if it lives in two separate places i'm like not pleased but i'll live with it right right but then when I hit that third time, I'm like, nope, we're done here. Time to make a method or something, you know? Yeah. I when I started googling around, I found Harp, and uh, I really like Harp so far. It's um, it's a lot like Jekyll, so you know, hopefully you, <laughs> it won't be too forward. You know, you've got like a directory for your templates and your templates instead of being liquid, uh, they're Jade, which I think is way way better than Jack or liquid anyway. I think if you're listening to this conversation and you're not like familiar with web dev stuff or a programmer at all, you're probably like, what <laughs> words the hell are words, they talking words. about? It's not liquid, it's jade. <laughs> what does that mean? That reminds me of the time we were looking at that Ruby site. We've talked about this before. I won't talk about it long. But remember, it was like, it's all this terminology we'd never heard of before. We were just giggling like idiots. Oh, no, it was Heroku. It wasn't a Ruby site. But it was Ruby based, right? I don't remember. Like, wasn't, I, th- I think Heroku was like all about ruby and the reason it was hilarious is because we did like heroku had its own stupid terms for stuff like it's a dino egg which is the equivalent of like you know a ten dollar per month server or something but they they had all these stupid names for it we right. just thought it was hilarious they have these sliders where you could like you know basically go from zero dollars <laughs> to a million dollars a month and we're like how many dynamaxes do you want like, oh hey you get ten thousand dynamaxes for a million dollars a month let's do that jeff that's a smart way to spend the money we don't have yes anywho Anywho, yeah, I'm sure that a lot of these, you know, if you're not familiar with these frameworks or whatever, then it's probably... It just sounds like we're talking about nonsense. Word vomit. <laughs> uh, uh, although, I mean, that's not really anything specific to web dev, you know. Everybody, every industry has got these kind of, you know, cutesily named <laughs> frameworks. Oh, God, you should hear my uh, my wife talk when she's in full analytics mode. She'll be like, well, our art poo poo is up. <laughs> that's good and i'm like what are these words <laughs> what are you talking about you're just pulling my leg here they're all just like huge acronyms that mean you know like average revenue per paying user that 
is also on a Tuesday and is wearing a hat. <laughs> it's like all these exact, very exact acronyms for describing their user base. I have heard ARPAPOO before. Yeah, and I, when you hear it, you remember it. Right. Because usually, you know, you hear ARPU and you're like, that sounds weird. And you hear ARPAPOO or whatever, and you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds similar to something I know, but different <laughs> enough where I'm confused. Your acronyms have jumped the shark. Right. <laughs> They're done. Anyways, uh, <clears throat> I like uh, I like Harp. I like Jade, and I like Less. So everyone should use them. I like Less. No. Do you like Less? Less is more. Less, less is more. <laughs> so are you like? What's the deal? Our Harp is now on WizardsLizard.com. Yes. Well, and... Harp is the generator I use to generate the static HTML that is served from a WizardsLizard.com. Okay, so it's the same kind of deal where you run it locally when you're developing on it, but then you just run a command and it will just basically creates all the static files you need using Harp and then takes those and pushes those AWS, yes? Yes. Gotcha. So like the basic idea is very much the same. And it's actually uh, because Metalsmith, when I had the Metalsmith thing set up, it was using Jade and Less. And so the all of the stuff really hasn't changed very much because we're still using Less, we're still using Jade. It's now we're just using like a different runner than Metalsmith because Metalsmith had a lot of configuration that was necessary. And Harp doesn't. Harp is like Harp server. Hmm. Harp compile. Like that, those are the only two commands you need to know. And those commands are abstracted away in a nice make file. So all you have to do is say make build, make develop, and make deploy. I like that. You got into make and you talked about it in the podcast a while ago. And uh, it's yeah. made my life easier. Yeah, honestly, like... <laughs> I probably could have just not told you about the framework switch. And if you just continued using the make file, you probably wouldn't have been, you would have been like, why are the files in slightly different places? Oh, well. Well, would make take care of the installing as well? Uh, it can, yeah. So I bet you could set it up so that it does. It, it does. So with Metalsmith, I had it set up uh, taking care of the installing because Metalsmith, there's a whole bunch of NPM dependencies. And so the the make target for that would... Um, install npm modules all the npm modules that are necessary nice for harp i didn't do that because harp um i have it set up to install globally so it's kind of like jekyll where you like you install jekyll globally and then you know because i i feel like with those kinds of things there's really not a strong reason to bundle harp or jekyll or whatever like locally as a dependency with every single website you're developing yeah because our whole thing is we have multiple microsites yeah or we used to have a lot more. It would be like we had Lunchbug and Lava Blade and Wizards Lizard, and we also had some other garbage. But these <laughs> days, it's more like we have LDG.com and we have AWL.com. Yeah. And there you go. But, I mean, it's as simple as npm install dash g harp, and you're done. That's too much. I don't have the time for this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anyways. Simpler. Yeah. So that's the my newest thing that i'm messing around with and that i well, like great i look forward to having to learn that crap yep <laughs> <laughs> you sound very excited no it's good i you know i, you know, I like improvement and stuff yeah i tend to bounce around a lot because I, I never get satisfied with something and so i tend to you know get unhappy with something after short periods of time and then move on to the next thing yeah, you and me both have that like that gene. You know, it's it's ambition is what it is, I think. It's like I want it to be perfect and I have low tolerance for things that aren't perfect. And Yeah. <laughs> I have to say it it comes with a healthy dose of general unhappiness, doesn't it? The mm-hmm. ambition. 
because like you've got this general like you come you you're like look you look at your your landscape and you're like i am no longer pleased with this this needs to change you know it's like you uh you know you go out and you survey your crops or whatever you survey yeah. your uh you're like a lord of a keep and you take a stroll through your lands and you're like i don't like this anymore these peasants are too dirty these peasants have displeased me <laughs> yes i need new sacrifices i demand it right yeah, it is. It's very, it's very demanding. Sometimes I wish I could just be a happy bubble type person. You know, we're like, everything is great. These things are all wonderful. Nothing needs to change. But no. But no. We're more like dictators of our like creativity. What? This is the best you can do? You've been working on this for a year. This should be done by now and brilliant. <laughs> 20 lashes. You look at the mirrors. Whip. I think that's the second time it's come up on, on LD, our last cast. What, that's, uh, self-flogging? Yeah, self-flogging. <laughs> <laughs> We're veering back into Deprecast territory. This is dangerous. A physical Deprecast, even. Yeah, really. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, Positivity. What, what's next, Matt? Well, we updated AWL1. Yeah, we did. Uh, another very, very happy moment was... Uh, <laughs> I updated to a newish version of Node WebKit and finally fixed some of our long-standing Linux bugs. Yeah, which uh, which made me very happy because the I'd like been kind of neglecting the Linux build of AWL one for a while because it was sort of broken in ways that I didn't know how to fix. Yeah, uh, but only for some people. Although I don't know, it's hard to say because like there were a handful of people complaining, which could have been the entire Linux community of AWL one. I don't know. I think that you've pleased both of our Linux users. Right. They're both really happy with your changes. <laughs> I hope so. Yes. Um, yeah, so we pushed a new version of that. We fixed some bugs and uh, got it on a new, more stable version of Node WebKit, which is always always a win uh, for us, which is nice. Unless it comes with uh, Chrome regression. Um, which it actually, sometimes does. it sometimes does. And uh, something... There's a guy I follow on Twitter. Uh, his name is Zachary Johnson. Zachtronaut? Zach something, something. Zachary Johnson, okay. Yeah, anyways, he uh, he made this game called uh, Legend of Equip Pants. Equip? Equip Pants. Equip Pants. <laughs> anyways, he's like... That sounds whimsical. Yes, it's very whimsical. Um, it's basically a game where you're like this knight and your pants got stolen and you're on a quest to find pants. I wonder if that's inspired by Ghosts and Goblins. And there's like a pantsmith who creates pants. Oh, Zachary Johnson. Yes. Yeah. Anyways, uh, he was tweeting about this bug in Chrome 49 that I think that we've run into. And what he was saying is that there's some regression in Chrome 49 where if you're drawing from an off-screen buffer multiple times to another off-screen buffer, uh, the draw image call starts to just chug a lug. And, yeah, and we die. saw that big time. Yeah, we we saw it too. And I couldn't figure it out, but what I did notice was that it was only happening with our darkness view, which is where uh, we basically take an off-screen buffer and we render this sort of translucent blackish overlay to a buffer. And then we poke holes in it using canvas operations uh, for lights. But that scenario, because we're so we're using these radial gradients to poke the holes because we want like a nice gradient effect for the lights. Those things, because the performance on those things is so bad to create them, we buffer those as well. 
So we had this same scenario where we've got a whole bunch of these uh, off-screen buffers that hold these radial gradients. And then we use those to draw to another off-screen buffer, which is a darkness view, which is, you know, we use to like draw, you know, okay, here's a light at this position, and here's a light at this position, here's a light at this position. Um, and that's where we were seeing a lot of slowdown. <clears throat> and what he found was that there was some regression where if you're drawing from a canvas to a canvas, an off-screen buffer like that, it starts to really slow down. But if you just turn, if you take those buffered canvases and you export their pixel data into uh, an image yeah. object, then uh, then it works fine. Yeah, you just convert it from uh, basically an off-screen buffer to image raw image data, right? Right. The only problem I found with that for our particular use case is that the to data URL method is uh, extremely slow, no. which makes sense, right? Like you're taking uh, some buffer, some canvas buffer, and you're reading all of the pixel data and yeah. turning it into basically a, a data URL that you would maybe embed in a web page or something even. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, so I think that to fully implement that, I'm going to have to have some kind of a loader that will basically cache a whole bunch of these radial gradients and then convert them to images using two data URL like before the game starts. Mm-hmm. Because right now, the way that our lighting system works is that it, when it needs a radial gradient of a certain size, it creates it on the fly and then caches it. But yeah. that's not too big of a hit. But if it has to create it on the fly, cache it, and then turn it into an image by calling two data URL, then that, that's not going to happen on the fly because it takes way too long like when you start up the game (laughs) with that method in place like it drops to like 10 frames a second while it caches all of these radio gradients (laughs) right and then it's fine but you know we can't have that (laughs) uh here's something we didn't try when we had that bug going full steam on your computer Uh, or maybe that was the gamepad issue i'm getting mixed up because there's all these different performance um bottlenecks right there's the the caching thing with the images, and there's also this gamepad problem, right? So the gamepad problem, I think, is different. Okay. But what we should do was turn off the darkness and see if... I did. See, oh, you did? Well, so when I was debugging the previous issue, when you know, it would get to the point where the, the game would start chug-a-lugging, I, would, uh, I brought up the tools, and I profiled it, and I saw that a horrendous amount of time was being spent in draw image. Okay. And so you can pop that out. You know, You can expand that. And you can see which functions are calling draw image. And so of the functions that were calling draw image, the darkness view rendering was like the majority of the bottleneck. I see. So I was able to narrow it down to, yes, it is this specific view, this darkness view that is causing the problem. And then so I turned off the darkness completely, and then the game would start running great. And I turned it back on, and it would start chugging again. So did you turn it on and off in the code or in the game options? Uh, In the game options. Oh, great. Okay, good. Yeah. So if someone's having severe problems they can just turn the darkness setting down to zero and it should go away right in theory no it will but you know the game will look much worse hey are you saying shining a shining a bright light on my art makes it look worse (laughs) yes we have to obscure your art with darkness (laughs) we need a giant instagram filter over the whole game basic sepia uh sun sunset (laughs) sad truth right here that's right on lost cast um Anyways, yeah. I mean, the art looks good. It's just the lighting adds a lot, you know? It does. Yeah, it does. Um, so anyways, like, I think that uh, you're right. That's not like an insurmountable problem. We can have people just turn off the darkness. But I would like to uh, to find a way to get that 
all fixed up so it doesn't happen anymore because yeah so are you seeing this fix as like an interim where hopefully chrome will just fix their crap and then we can remove that uh possibly it's tough i kind of want to redo the lights completely in general Mm. so we had been talking on the forum um with uh salmon moose who's one of our lost cast listeners and yeah active on the forums supporter yeah and uh, we were talking about basically using um, like radial gradient images for lights instead of right because that way like we can have lights that have any shape you know you could have a light that's like a diamond you could have a light that looks like a grid like it's like light coming through a grating or something you know I've always liked how a link to the past has that kind of um, like a cone shape for the lamp the lantern yeah yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, so we could do all kinds of like different shapes and stuff. So I might contemplate working on that. I, so I, we have been talking about that on a previous podcast or on the forum. I can't remember. But one of the reasons I didn't do that is because uh, it wasn't completely necessary. Right? Like it sounded like a fun project to work on and I wanted to do it for my own <laughs> edification. But, but sometimes you're responsible. But sometimes, yes. Sometimes the other, you know, the angel on my shoulder is like, <laughs> Jeff, there's no legitimate business reason to work on this. <laughs> Do it anyway, Jeff. It sounds fun. You can learn new technologies. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't. But now, now that there's like a performance problem with this, you know, oh, this stuff, man. then maybe it's not a good idea. I'm Although, just picturing this like horse angel and this horse devil <laughs> on your shoulder. Yes. And you you give them both good hard listens. You seriously consider both. You're like, really? I could spend a week on that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got to consider all viewpoints, Matt. You do. It's true. We like to see it from all angles. Even if they come from demonic or angelic horses. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a great visual, man. I'm loving that. Uh, oh, that's good stuff. Yes. Anyways, although, the, to be fair, I don't know if... Because I, I'd, I'd probably still have to cache those images anyway, right? Because the way that that would work is that I'd have like a black and white version of whatever light shape I wanted to use. And then if I wanted, say, a blue light, I'd have to take that image and then use Canvas to draw it to an off-screen buffer with blue, right? Mm-hmm. So that I'd have a blue version of that light. And then I'd have to draw from that buffer to the darkness buffer, which would then still cause the same problem. So I don't think that that method will necessarily change anything, but it could be like while I'm in there, maybe I will futz around with it. Yeah. But well, good for you. Good for me. Very responsible. I've had that so many times where I'm like, you know, I just I want to draw some stupid crap, like some extra animation frames or or some garbage, and then I'm like, oh, there's 50 bugs assigned to me right now. Maybe I should <laughs> prioritize. You know. Yeah, that's uh, one of the hardest things about being your own boss is like, you know, because <laughs> when we were at Raptor or Yahoo, it was like, you know, you'd come in in the morning and you have your daily stand-up, and they'd be like, what's going on with this critical bug? And you'd be like, well, I'm working on it and I fixed it or I haven't or whatever, you know, but like you're accountable <laughs> for it. Whereas, yeah. you know, <laughs> when we're working for ourselves, it's like, oh, I know there's this terrible performance issue, but I really want to work on this. I don't want to. I want to work on new shiny. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is a really hard part. But 
It's a battle every day. It's a struggle. It's a struggle to stay disciplined. It is. You're your own worst enemy and your own best friend. I feel like I'm not a very disciplined person in general. But uh, yeah. I'm lucky because I really like working on code and I like working on games. So it doesn't actually take a lot of willpower and discipline to actually work on games. Like you, you don't have a lot of willpower and discipline, but what little <laughs> willpower and discipline you have can be applied to games because you think they're fun. Right. Pretty much. But it's hard to you know, force myself to work on the aspects of the games that I am unhappy with, right? Have we talked about our heart system? Uh, I don't Lost know. Cast? We may have. Yeah, probably, right? But like, <laughs> we, we have this, uh, this thing we do every Monday now. We heart something for the week. And it's like we can, um, what that means is we go into a sauna and there's like a million tickets on us, right? And then like, who knows what you Literally a million. A million, one million, 1.2 million. And like, who knows what you should be working on in a given moment, right? But the heart system, it enables us to, um, like, it's as simple as you just go in a sauna and you heart something, right? And you can just ignore hearts. You can heart everything if you want. But we use it very uh, conservatively, right? And so we'll only heart like one each for that week. But it's like, hey, Jeff, you need to work on this you know right and you can do the same thing and what's nice about it is you know you can use it to, to bubble up stuff like okay yeah i really want to see this performance issue worked on or like this design tweak would be great it would make the game a lot more fun to play kind of thing or you can bubble up stuff like yeah i just want a graphic like a new graphic for this because it's bugging me or whatever yeah it's a nice way to put a little bit of external pressure yeah yeah the pressure that's like one of the things that we don't have as much aside from you know the game breaking or people complaining on on steam or something like that you know the the pressure like because you and i don't usually bust each other's balls about like hey this is broken or that looks like garbage or anything like that you know right it's usually the heart system where it's like yeah i really want a new sprite for this not that the old one looks bad (laughs) you should just do another one you know right let's have a new one yeah it works out pretty well it's very effective. I, I, I've, I enjoy doing it, and I, I also enjoy receiving... Because, like, I don't always know what you want to see, you know? You should. The heart system. <laughs> By now? Read, read your horse mind. That's right. <laughs> We've been working together forever. You know, last week on the podcast, you did... What was it? Oh, you could tell by the tone of my voice what I really meant. And then this week on the podcast, I knew you were going to first double down on CSS. <laughs> so we do... <laughs> That's true. Yeah, we do have a little bit of that going on. Yeah. Anyway. Um. Anyways, uh, we, we do have to like be more diligent about critical bugs and stuff now because yeah. Uh, now that we are selling the game for money to real players, <laughs> we have to be a little bit more attentive to like, hey, I can't play this game because something or another. Yeah, like this specific bug. Right. Yeah. Good. It's good. So, uh, what else do you got for us? Let's see. We talked about AWL 1. We talked about Soul Thief on Early Access. There's Humble versus Itch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was actually something that I was uh, working on. I have to say, I really like Itch. And I, I think it's cool. And I was looking for a reason to use it more. Because I think it's pretty cool what they're doing. It's like a very open uh place for you to distribute games and it's all very automated and they have a lot of nice features and the interface is like just really nice to work with yeah um and they can do widgets and like they have this great flexible pricing model where you can choose to give them between zero and a hundred percent of your sales right um uh, 100 <laughs> take it all take it all yeah i hate money <laughs> 
But I, I think it's cool that they, you know, it's so open and it's so kind of like, like use it how you want, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I really was looking for a reason to, to use that more. And so I was thinking yeah. about distributing a Wizards Lizard Soul Thief via our own site from itch. Um, and this is another, <laughs> this is another one of those like angel and devil conversations probably, <laughs> you know, use it, Jeff. It's the new hotness. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Jeff. Humble is loves us. They've tried and true. Humble's been good for us in the past. So what ultimately <laughs> tipped the scales was that, uh, humble had at some point unbeknownst to me. Uh, updated their process so you can actually submit builds yourself instead of yeah they automated it they automated it i would have thought there'd be a newsletter maybe i missed it or something but like i feel like maybe they dropped the ball on letting me know that their process was a lot better now yeah i don't know which something but um the things going for humble for us was that one humble is a more recognizable thing you know we thought you know this is just kind of like conjecture or whatever but you know we thought that it would be a, a more trusted brand. You know, people see Humble. They probably yeah. bought games through Humble. They've at least heard of Humble Bundle if they're into buying games. So there's that. <clears throat> there was the fact that we're already set up to receive money from Humble. Right. right. Uh, two, or sorry, three, Humble has their own storefront, which after doing some investigation, we realized provided us with a non-trivial amount of money, non-trivial amount of money over the years. Yeah. Uh, for... We have to be on Humble if we want to have any chance of being included in a bundle. Which we do. Which we do. Someday. Want to be included. Um, <laughs> and then at that point, it was like, okay, well, if we decide that we have to use Humble for all these reasons, right? We want to be on the storefront. Uh, we want to possibly be in a bundle someday, et cetera, et cetera. Like, we're already getting paid through them. Like, we don't have to file any new paperwork. We don't have to worry about, like, is the money flowing into the bank account, blah, blah, blah. Right. It all just kind of works. So at that point, it was like, well, what would be the reason to do a separate widget on itch.io? Yeah, we couldn't really find one. We couldn't. Um, one, we tried. We tried. <laughs> so we ended up using Humble, which I think is the right decision. But I think that you know, for people that maybe aren't invested with Humble already, you know, or whatever, like itch is probably a pretty good option. Yeah, Humble just especially with people who like indie games, Humble is very standard for them, I think, because you know, if you if you're into indie games and you want to save money, which those two go hand in hand together, you've probably bought a bundle on Humble. Right. And if that's the case, you know them, you trust them, you've probably got an account with them. They probably already have your payment info ready to go. It, it's it's ready to go, you know. Right. But with something like itch, I mean, it's always an uphill battle to cuz like you want to trust somebody with your money, you know, you could whip out your credit card you better trust that brand, right? right? And if you're not familiar with Itch, because maybe they just haven't come across your plate yet, then that's uh, it can be a tough sell sometimes. It can. Um, I think that Itch has a lot of other cool features, like they do forums, like you can create a page for your game. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a lot of stuff that Humble doesn't necessarily have. Game jams. Uh, they, yeah, you can host your own game jams, which I think is really awesome. I would love yeah. to host a game jam on Itch one of these days. Maybe January next year. <laughs> January, the once a year jam i was thinking about um ship timber ship timber <laughs> where you just ship it you just whatever game you're working on it's done now that's right <laughs> call it done you just <laughs> you wrap it up and it's done now. <laughs> wrap it up ship it that's right i like i like ship timber yeah that'd be fun we should do a january and a ship timber 
Yeah, I think so too. That sounds great. If we survive that long. If we survive that long. We'll see. If we're not out in the streets yeah. drinking sake out of a paper bag. <laughs> oh, you'd, you'd be lucky if it was sake. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> drinking old E. <laughs> oh, gross. Yes. Uh, anyway, so I think they're both pretty cool platforms, but you know, because of all those reasons, we decided to go with Humble yet again. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think I think it's just pretty cool, and I would like to find some reason to use it in the future. Nice. I think that uh, that speaks well for a platform, you know, because usually it's like I don't know what it is. I've never heard of it. I don't want to bother with another platform because that's usually the way we feel about it, right? Yeah. Like, don't waste our time. Like, I, I'm not interested in being on Origin, for example. Right. You know, I don't care. <laughs> I think that it appeals to me if we were to start from ground zero now, you know? Yeah, I think it's one of the reasons it's uh, kind of taken off. It's because the low-hanging fruit is very easy to be there. And so a lot of indie developers are like, yeah, I've got a little game I'm working on. Let's just, why not? Throw it up there for a couple of bucks. There you go. Yeah, well, like you get like a, a page where you can show off the screenshots, talk about the game, link to the downloads. You get forums. Yeah. You get, you know, whatever else. So you basically get everything you need to like market and <laughs> have a little community around your game. Yeah. Which is, isn't to say that that will happen, but you have right. the, you have the tools at least. So yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So, um, I wanted to talk about some kind of creative. It came from an art place, but I think uh, you were done with itch and humble. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, if you study art and if you've gone through like my art tips from prior episodes and stuff, you've probably ran across this. Um, maybe I've re- maybe I've made this recommendation myself, but certainly other artists will recommend it. Is do a master study, right? What's a master study? So a master study is you you find a master and you study their art. Oh, right. That makes sense. Yeah. So you know, I don't know, like uh, find some Rembrandt, right? Find almost any Renaissance artist. Uh, there's lots of modern artists as well who are just amazing. Find some James Gurney, right? Just it doesn't matter. There's so many masterful artists out there. Find something they did and do a study of it, right? You know what they never talk about though, and I think that this is critical. It's absolutely critical, and nobody talks about it. You will pale in comparison. <laughs> you will. You are not a master. Wow. Probably not, right? You're so mean. Well. That's it's just par for the course because the whole like the reason you're doing a master study is because you're you're more like a student or just not yet a master or maybe you're a master in other categories and you're doing a study of James Gurney because you want to be more of a realist painter or something right but I think the fact of the matter is is that you will pale in comparison Let, let's say you're doing like a sunset even you're 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 drawing from real life or something you're probably not going to come up with something that's as good as you want I think that's that's the core of it right and that's um defeating i think a lot of people feel deflated by that right you do a master study you're like what a, what an ingenious painting this is i'm going to study it for a couple of hours or, or whatever and then you're done and you look at it and you compare it and yours is not as good that that is that is the common scenario yes yes that's defeating like i feel like there needs to be some kind of like you got to prepare yourself for that mentally you know that you're going to be unhappy with your work as compared to other people's. Well, that you're that you're ne- almost never going to be where you want to be. You know. Yeah. At least with something with something like artwork, and I think that with something almost anything creative, you know, because I think a lot of people who are both ambitious and creative are kind of always reaching, constantly reaching, and and they should be, and that's good, and that's how you grow and how you get better, right? But that reach 
is exhausting, right? You're stretching. You're like, you're not in a relaxed state. You're not necessarily in a happy state. You're struggling. It's a struggle, right? And when you struggle all the time, that can feel really exhausting. That's what I'm getting at. It can, yeah. So I think that you need coping mechanisms, you know? And I, I, I think it's going to be different for everybody. I think that there are some Alcohol. artists, some... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Video games, you know? Right. The comfort of, of your support group. I, I think that there are some people who, um, like the really talented people, the people who are really skilled, and like the masters themselves, they have either figured that out or maybe they're just like, eh, no, that really never really bothered me. I always thought the struggle was fun or something. Like those are the few people who are in a really great place. Just whatever they've got going on mentally, they're just in a great mental place to be like, yeah, I can study for years and always pale in comparison and it doesn't really bother me. It just rolls off me like water, you know? Yeah. But for, I think for most of us, we are human beings, you know, we are fragile, we are emotional, we are insecure, you know? You do these studies, you make a game, like a game came out today that's a lot like our game but kind of makes our game look worse, <laughs> right? We, we kind of pale in comparison in many lights and... That is something that you, you do need some way to cope with that, I think, if you're a human being. So what do you recommend? Well, that's the thing. I don't have... I think you, I think you were right earlier. Alcohol, right? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying that's the answer. I'm saying that everyone is going to be different. Like I was right. saying, some people, it's not going to bother them that much. You know, they're like, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. I never, even, I never really thought about that because it doesn't bother me, right? Right. Every human being is just so different in this regard that, I mean, who knows, right? Like whatever your coping mechanism will be. I, ju- I just think that what's important is that you are aware of it what's your you know, coping because, mechanism um see that's part of the thing i, th- I think i need more or I, I need one at all you know because it it hurts i talk about this you know that the pain of it sometimes like you you draw something you make some painting and you're just not happy with it and it sucks and it feels defeating you know i don't have one thing that i do that i'm like well, for I think the first step, that's what I'm saying, is noticing it, you know, because I haven't even really noticed that for a while, I don't think. It's just this feeling of general Malaise. discontent <laughs> with, yeah, with, with, the, with, your, with your output, you know, and it slowly creeps up on you, like, <laughs> slow, like, behind you, hey, guess what? You suck. <laughs> you suck. <laughs> you're, you're bad at this. <laughs> Do a comparison. You're weak. Wow. You know what I mean? And, like, I think just being aware of it is, like, you can you can tell yourself you know i've got enough time to improve or you can say like yeah you know, here's something I d- i've done that this might be a coping me- mechanism is i go back and i look at my old sketchbooks i i do notice improvement it's not by the leaps and bounds i would love to see you know but i look at my first sketchbook and i compare it to my sixth and i'm like this stuff is better and i think this is a really big part is even though the stuff isn't necessarily as much better as i would like i'm cranking it out faster and i'm more confident when i do it i'm happier when i do it that's and good. that's important you know yeah Finding Anyhow. that kind of equilibrium, yeah, between self-loathing and output, <laughs> <laughs> it's important. It is. Yeah, I think that what you're saying makes a lot of sense because it's easy to like. That's kind of where you know people give up a lot of times. It is. That is the moment of failure, you know. Right. And the real failure, right, is is giving up. The real failure is not necessarily trying and failing because you look at almost anyone successful outside of these outliers who. Like, we're just super lucky. If if they're being honest with themselves and everyone's being honest, you know, if you try and your first couple of tries are successful, you got really lucky. That is not the norm, man. You know, most successes are just, they have this trail of failures behind them. That's normal. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 
Anywho, I just, I think that, you know, especially when making games, you know, you'll start to be like, oh man, I learned how to put a pixel on the screen. This is amazing. And I learned how to create a square and like, whoa, graphics and you can move around and like, hey, I made a, my first level, you know, and you get all these, like we talked about climbing the mountain and the mist separates and all that jazz, right? And it's the same kind of a thing is, is you get to a point where you're like, okay, I think I'm at where I want to be now. And then you look around and you pale in comparison and you feel defeated and some people just give up at that moment. You walk back down the mountain. You do. You you maybe you snowboard down the mountain, <laughs> <laughs> like some people do with Everest, which is crazy. People snowboard down Everest. Yeah, they do. Oh, that sounds insane. That sounds really dangerous. Yeah. yeah. Last I checked, the fatality rate on if, uh, on climbing Everest was two percent. Two percent. Two percent. That's so. If you go and climb Mount Everest, you there's a two percent chance of dying. Right. That's high. So one That's out of fifty high. people will be dead. Yeah. And something like uh, 200 people, I want to say. It's, this number's going up all the time, but it's something like that go up every year. It's probably much higher by now. Still, so, though, that's, that's small, right? Like, Yeah, in the grand scheme of the world. The billions of people. Yeah. But yeah, like people die every single year at Everest without doubt. Craziness. I don't Okay, why are we talking about Everest? <laughs> I, I don't know. Because it's, uh, it, I think th- it's a large mountain. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's a large mountain. That's what I'm saying is I'm saying like, I mean, I think something like, you know, art, like if you just want to be an artist, that is a mountain you're never going to stop climbing. And I think the same is true for video games. And I think that like a, a lot of that is just a mental staging, you know, because I think for a long time I've been like, there's a finish line with this, with games. And there isn't. There is no finish line. Like even shipping it. Like we shipped today, we shipped a game for the first time in almost two years, right? This is the beginning. Right. This is early access. We have like the game is only about half done, honestly. You know, if that, and it feels like, hey, we launched it. It's for sale now. It's in the store. Like this should be it, we're, right? We're there, done there, now, right? <laughs> yeah, there is no finish line. There's a checkpoint. That's it. Right. You've got your checkpoint, and the next checkpoint is like a, two miles away. You better start sprinting. Well, I think the big question though is that if we die, do we get to respawn <laughs> at this checkpoint, or is it game over? Uh, <laughs> this is this is life. There's permadeath. <laughs> life is a roguelike. Like, like it is, yeah. It's procedurally generated. It is permadeath. That's right. Uh, so forth. Uh, we have a few minutes left. I guess I could t- talk about Abathur. I'm pretty jazzed about Abathur right now. Talk about him. All right. So let me give you a quick, uh, just a quick explanation of uh, MOBAs in general, and then also of HOTS. So a MOBA is a multiplayer online battle arena. And it's a very common genre these days. There are various ones I mentioned earlier. There's Paragon. There's League of Legends is the biggest one. It is absolutely huge. There's Blizzard's own offering, which is Heroes of the Storm, which you got me hooked onto because you're a big jerk face. <laughs> yes, I am. There's, uh, what's that one that's third person? Smite. Smite. Yeah. So there's, there's no shortage. There's Most of them Dota. are free to play. Do- ah, Dota, Dota 2 is a huge one. Yeah, it's Valve's offering. And... What I liked about Heroes of the Storms, for one, is my friends are playing it. That's a big one for me. You and Joshua Morris, my brother John has played it before, JD is playing it. Um, some people we know from our community are playing it. Was it Elite? Yep. Yeah, so like multiple people I know are playing it. That's a big one for me. Also, it's Blizzard, and I like Blizzard games. I don't know that much about them, unfortunately, but like I really like the universe. Um, I found it to be really easy to get into. Well, that's, that's, that's a big, huge lie, actually. I found it easy... <laughs> to start playing but like i've i've found it to be a confusing mess the whole time you know <laughs> but i i think it's it's fun to learn is that's the that's the big point right so uh here's the quick premise of the game is uh, there's two teams of five and they each start on opposite uh spectrums of the arena so i'm on the left you're on the right right and there's usually about three lanes sometimes there's fewer 
and uh, there's this like steady drip of minions that come out of your core, which is what you have to protect, and they go towards your enemy bases, and your enemy has multiple bases you have to knock down, these forts you have to knock down before you can get to the core and kill them. But the goal is basically to work from A to B, killing stuff along the way, and then to defeat your enemy's core. And you, ha- you can move around, you-, you control an avatar, you have abilities. It's a lot like a wizard's lizard in some ways, honestly, where you just kind of move around and attack stuff, and you have abilities and stuff like that. Um, but like basically what it boils down to is it's all about your character, right? Because there's like in, in HOTS alone, there's like 40 characters at this point. And that's like low for a MOBA. Like it's a relatively new MOBA, yeah. right? 50, I guess. Yeah, there's at least 50 characters. And here's the thing. Like when I first started playing, I would see, oh, I haven't seen this character before. Oh, I'm dead. You know, because you don't know what they can do. It's not just you, you haven't seen them, but you don't know what their powers are. And they their powers might be crazy, right? And so for like the first several months, I was playing the game and I'd be like, I, I couldn't even tell you what killed me there. Some circle appeared and I died in like half a second, right? And that's always been a really frustrating thing. And you'll see other characters like um, <clears throat> this one character killed me this one time. It was, it was really crazy death. Um, I'm sitting here with my team. And we're just fighting some monsters and stuff. And then this hook comes out of your... Uh, it's a fog of war game, so you can't see everything, right? This hook comes out of nowhere and grabs me and pulls me into the team of my... The opponent's team, right? And then this guy named Stitches, who's this big monster dude with a mouth in his stomach, he eats me and then drags me closer like to their fort. So I'm just completely screwed, right? <laughs> and then I pop out of his stomach and they all just beat me to death. And I was like, okay, that's like... there's so many emotions (laughs) (laughs) where do you start yeah where do you start for one i'm like confused i didn't even know that was a thing that could happen in the game i thought i was in a very safe place with my team right for two i was like that was pretty cool i want to play as that character now right you get that going on and so that's kind of how it goes is is you learn a little bit by a little bit you cannot just come into the game and have full knowledge you can't do it you know you're learning new stuff all the time and there's like even the characters themselves uh, so as you're playing the game you start at level one and your team gains levels and it usually caps out around 20 ish what it ranges depending on the game and along those you have these checkpoints where you gain new traits so like at level four level seven level 10 all, all through up until 20 you get multiple abilities and you not knowing what abilities your opponents are getting is also detrimental to your gameplay because you, you might have been like, oh, I didn't know, you know, Thrall got that ability and he was going to rip my face off, you know, right. that kind of a thing. So there's, there's so much to think about and so much to know at any given time. Anyway, I've been finding the game really fascinating. And um, there's this character that I've been noticing around that has like, has never once been on the free to play rotation, right? So I've never been able to play this character because like sometimes you'll see a character that's interesting. And then like, I think it's Tuesday. So today, right? There's a new hero rotation. And there might be like, you know, like a character I haven't been able to play yet goes free. And you're like, oh, hey, check it out. I can play as, you know, Zagara now or something. And uh, so there's this character named Abathur. It's never been free to play. And it's a weird character because you'll be walking along and you'll see Abathur just sitting there doing nothing. And you're like, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> right? <laughs> what's, what's going on over here? You want to ping him and be like, dude, move your ass. Like we're having a battle here, you know? But that's not how Abathur works. Abathur is this weird character that does kind of work that way. You just kind of, he's got this really squishy bug body and you don't really, like the bug body doesn't go into combat and fight stuff. The bug body doesn't, I think it has this little stupid slap attack, but it's so weak and feeble, you never want to use it, right? He could basically get like two or three shot by anybody in the game. Yeah, yeah, he's just a big squish. Like he's he's very squishy bug. Like you could just step on him. But his abilities are, uh, you can plant mines 
uh, kind of anywhere on the battlefield with certain traits. And also you can kind of possess other, like you, your, your teammates. You kind of appear as this hat on their head. And then when you do that, you're, you're going where they go, but you have some abilities. Like you can, you can shield that teammate. You can shoot out two different types of attacks. And this is very important. When you're on that character's head, you're also soaking the experience points that that character is getting. So it's really crazy to play as that character. It feels so different than any of the other characters. It's like night and day. It feels like a brand new game, honestly. It is very interesting. I think that's kind of where the Chogal character came from. Yeah. Like they kind of saw like, oh, you know, you're basically playing like you have one person driving and one person attacking. Right. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting because there's so much decision making that goes into that. His so skill much. set is like, it, it's something they refer to a lot in heroes is called a skill cap. Like, yeah. And which is different than like how difficult a hero is to play. Like, I don't yeah. think that Abathur is, his abilities aren't difficult to understand, right? His abilities are like put a mine on the ground and then when someone steps on it, it takes damage. And then when you're possessing another hero, you can shoot out something and do damage. It's like a spike of damage and then there's like an AOE damage and then there's a yeah. shield. And so in isolation, each of those abilities is really easy to understand. Right. It's like, okay, damage, damage, defensive, shield, mines. and then mines, like a trap. Like, right. okay, I get that, all that. But actually playing as Abathur and understanding when and how to do all those things uh, is really difficult. And something else that he has is that uh, every 10 or 15 seconds or whatever, from his bug body, a little like minion thing spawns and it will march yeah. towards the nearest lane. So oh, just, just the positioning of where you put your slug body is really important. Yeah, so I was fast. Like Every little tiny individual thing about him is was fascinating to me especially the fact that you have to be juggling them all at the same time right so the fact that he spawns a locust out of his body every 10 or 15 seconds um that has so many implications for one the locust the locust doesn't live forever right so if you're just sitting at your base your locusts are getting sent out and they're just dying before they even do any harm right so with your stupid fragile squishy slug body you want to get as close to the enemy base as you can for two reasons really one is you want your locust to go out and do some good Two, you want to be near your opponent's minions that are dying to soak up the experience points, right? Right. But like we said, it's very dangerous to put yourself that close to the combat. So you definitely have to be in a hiding spot. And the thing is, is like it's good that you have these locusts popping out of your body doing damage, but smart players will see those locusts and know where you are now. Right. So it's very devious. It's like your locusts coming out of your body is both a good thing and a bad thing. And it's, it's your job to balance that. It's, it's amazing. I have, uh, I've been playing and I've seen on occasion, you know, I'm like walking around, you know, I'm like on Sky Temple or something and I'm just like rotating between lanes and all of a sudden I'll see a locust come out of a bush. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, kill it. <laughs> Squish it. Now you're mine. Yeah. And you did kill it, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're like, um, like a weasel or like a ferret. <laughs> right. Go, you go in and go into the bush and you scare out the monsters. Yeah. So the game. Here's the storm. Like you have a main usually. Like there's, you need to be playing a bunch of different characters to know how to combat them and to know what they can do, right? Like your knowledge of the characters is kind of your skill cap, right? So someone who's an expert at the game knows what all the characters do, knows what all their traits are, knows what all their upgrades are, and can also play as them and knows how to counter them. That kind of a thing, right? And it's like my main right now is Falstad, who's this. Uh, 
like dwarven dude with a hammer who sits on a griffin and can fly around the battlefield. He's a, he's a ranged assassin, right? My favorite character to play. And your skill cap there is like your knowledge of the map, your knowledge of your opponents, your knowledge of your own comp and where you fit in, uh, your positioning, your your trait tree. There's all these things to consider, right? But with Abathur, you need to know all of those things. And um, he has this, what's called an ultimate, right? At level 10. And these are these are critical to the game. Like your ultimate abilities can make or break any team fight and can a lot of times make or break the whole game, right? Uh, because some characters will have like a really good ultimate that just like kills the whole team, that kind of a thing, or just puts them in a weak spot. Yeah. And with Abathur, his best ult is probably this thing. Uh, I think it's Ultimate Evolution. But basically, what you do is you clone one of your teammates, and you now play as that character. And so your skill cap <clears throat> is now actually all characters. <laughs> right. To be the best Abathur character there is, you must not just know all of your opponents and all of your teammates' abilities and everything, you must be able to play as them, like, now. You go from, okay, I'm playing Abathur, and I've got this context, right? Like, okay, I, I know that I need to play some mines, go back to my body, look at the mini-map, make sure no one's trying to kill me. Uh, I need to go and put a hat on this guy to soak some experience and shoot some spikes. Then, now, I see an opportunity to use my ult. Now I need to know how to play, for one, which of, the, which of my four teammates should I be playing as, which would be most advantageous, and two... Can I go directly from playing as, as Abathur to very quickly changing context and now playing as Vala? Right. Can you do that? Mind blown, man. <laughs> like, I've never seen such perfect harmony in a game. And, and I'm, I'm really impressed by the depth. Like, it would take thousands of hours to, to be able to, to master that. And so now, like, I used to see, like, I didn't know what Abathur did, really. I just saw, see all this crazy crap flying around. Like, someone's got this weird hat on, and I get hit by a spike. What? Like, what are these locust things coming out? Why is this Why is this character not moving? Why is he just sitting there with this stupid squishy body, you know? Now that I've got insight on the other side of it, and I see, like, a, an Abathur on my team who had really amazing numbers, who, like, had the most kills, the most uh, hero damage, the most siege damage, all that stuff, I'm, like, I'm blown away. That's amazing to me now. I'm very impressed. Yeah, it is a very difficult hero to play. I think something that's really interesting about Abathur is that he was a launch hero, like, even in, in beta, like he's been around ever since I've been playing the game. I was going to ask about that. In closed beta, he has been there. And so I was going to, because I would have imagined that, that was a very late edition. No. Wow. Very early edition. Wow. Yeah. I'm very impressed. I just, just the depth of the game, you know? Yeah. Man, I want to make a game that deep. Me too. It is, yeah, I, I think that uh, the harmony there is, like you're talking about, is amazing, right? Like being able to take over another player and then have to understand how they work yeah and uh you alluded to this a second ago too but like just being able like the the decision about which one of your teammates to take over is super important because which when where yeah wow and because it, it matters not only like okay who's the strongest person on my team but like what's their team comp right who yeah. do they have do we have like do i need to counter one of their heroes you know because it could be like you have two people on your team that are both strong, and in isolation, you might pick the stronger one. Yeah. But depending on the opponent's team, you might pick a different one because they have an ability that could really mess up the other team. You know, like yeah. Sylvanas' Wailing Arrow, where she silences the whole team or something. Right. Mm. Or actually, you can't use the hero. No. Yeah, right? I was going to say that. That's the other thing. It's not just, okay, I know how to play Thrall, so I can 
clone Thrall and play effectively as Thrall. It's not just that. Your Thrall is like a weird Thrall. It's a clone Thrall. It's like a Raga, Raga Albino Raga, <laughs> right? right? It's like uh, you have 20% boosts on speed and attack damage and health, I think. But then you don't have any trait bonuses whatsoever, and you don't have their ult. Right. So it's like this weird version of that character. So like you would better be pretty damned comfortable with the character you're about to clone. Right. To be able to play a, a modified version of it. And it's a, it's a timed thing. Like the clone will yeah. go away after a certain amount of time. Yeah. There's this too. This is another, like there's just, it, oh, it feels like there's a million little edge cases with Abathur that you need to keep in mind. Um, when you clone someone, your body gets teleported to that location, kind of. So, like, let's say you're sitting there, you're being all squishy, and you're shooting your locusts out, and you're soaking up XP, and somebody walks up and finds you and starts kicking your ass, right? You can use your ult to get out of that situation. Yes. Which is, which is amazing. It is pretty crazy. I've seen people do that. Yeah. Man. Yeah, Joshua Morris uh, plays a lot of HOTS. He's a, he's a rank one Hero League player, which I'm very impressed by, because I'm, I'm probably like a rank nun. nun? <laughs> I don't think you've ever played Hero League. I've never played Hero League, so I know I don't have a rank. But I'm saying, like, if I did, I I would be garbage. I'm not very good at the game, <laughs> although I do play it a fair amount. We should go play Hero League after this. Oh, God, no. Yeah. I'm not down for let's, that. Let's do it. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't have a lot of confidence. I think it's fun, and uh, I'm, I'm very fascinated by it. I'm really glad, too, that I just I know a little bit about esports these days. Because before you got me into HOTS, it was, I was like, esports? What is That's that? a word. I just don't like not knowing things about my industry you know yeah like i'm a game developer i feel like i should at least know something about you know, like my my wife keeps me attuned to mobile games and casual games you know and like you got me back into esports and like i feel like i, I do an okay job on my own just like because i kind of just generally play hardcore games yeah you're probably good fun. with like you know indie games in that scene probably yeah i just kind of organically like oh, hey, a little dungeon crawler thing i'll play or something like that but i like to at least know a little bit about each you know of the various areas yeah anywho I, my mind was blown and i'm really fascinated and like i think it says a lot that you know i've been playing for a while and i am i am nowhere near being able to even tackle all that abathur could do like, i can't like like there's sometimes i'll be playing the game and everybody on my team is our characters i don't know how to play <laughs> and so i can't like I can't clone them. There's a second evolution or a second ult you can choose, which is like you f- you summon this big uh, beast thing that fights for you, which is interesting. And I've seen some people use that, but it doesn't have the benefit of transferring your body. Like you don't actually your body doesn't move, so it that's almost it's just objectively worse in a lot of ways, honestly. Yeah, but you can hat that thing and take control of it. Yeah, and you can control it. Yeah, that's another thing. It's like it's so many edge cases. You know, it's yeah. like there's nothing simple. There's no one simple thing about Abathur. That uh, that ult can actually be used to great effect for pushing. Yeah. Um, especially like if you're split soaking, you know, because it's basically like at that point you've got almost like, well, I guess you wouldn't have like a sixth hero, but you know, <laughs> you, you can have this big thing pushing while you're hatting either it or your teammates. You know, it's like you could, yeah. during an objective, you could have your thing pushing down a lane while you're hatting your, your teammates in like the Sky Temple objectives or whatever. Right. Anyways, yeah, fascinating game. I'm sure that <laughs> it's probably a lot of information overload for people that haven't played it. Yeah. Yeah, I know it won't do it for everybody, uh, but I think that, you know, there's there's so many great game design takeaways and uh, just depth of gameplay is something I'm always really interested in finding because, you know, sometimes we build some pretty shallow games that you can kind of master quickly or that just don't really go that deep. 
and I'm I am very interested in finding games that go uh, that go very deep. Yeah. Anywho. Awesome. Well, uh, once again, I want to say thanks to everybody for your support during our early access launch. And uh, we're excited to be bringing you new features and stuff every week. So hopefully uh, you guys will get in on that and let us know what you think. And I think that's all we've got for this week. So uh, check us out in the forum at forum.lostlegagames.com. I actually know what I'm going to play about with this week. For once, uh, it's a short song, though. It's the kind of dubstep-ish remix that uh, Joshua made just for our Steam trailer. And I wanted to play that for you because I think it's really good. And if you like the song, go check out the Steam trailer as well. I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, it's really cool. And uh, to make up for the fact that the um, song is a little shorter than normal, we'll probably have an extra long stinger, maybe. <laughs> Depends. Excellent. Anyway, yeah. Uh, thanks for your support. And that's it for this week. Ship it. Are you doing your power stance? No. Are you doing your depressive stance? Maybe. <laughs> Slumped over, head down. <laughs> <sighs> Maybe I should do the power stance. Maybe you should. Mm. Power! More power! My power stance is uh, finishing off this bottle of sake <laughs> and not even using a glass anymore. I'm just going to drink it straight <laughs> from the bottle. <laughs> That's a new low. <laughs> it's a new low. It's a new low for Lost Cast, everybody. I'm just one step away from a paper bag in an alleyway. <laughs> we should record in an alleyway. That'd make for a great episode, I'm sure. Yeah, it's like windy and echoey. and People are like throwing things at us. <laughs> you can hear the clink of chain change on the ground. Yes. Uh, Have a quarter, you bum. That's right. <laughs>